Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Mersey Synod in conversation with. And in this episode, I'm really pleased to be talking to Jeff Felton, who I hope most of you will know as the Synod moderator, and also to Louise Franklin, who today uh, is here to represent uh, that group of people who uh, think about mission and discipleship in the Synod. So it's really good to have both of you with me. I'm really looking forward. Thank you, Stuart. Really looking forward to our conversation, uh, where we're going to be thinking about how we talk faith. Talking faith, and I hope that lots of you will know, is the theme for the Synod uh, this year. So perhaps, Jeff, that's a really good place to start. Why does the Synod even need a theme? What do you think is important about having a theme for our year? I, I think, Stuart, um, that's a really good question. So if we've got a theme for the for the synod, it gives us a bit of a structure to kind of build our build our uh, our mission around and to build our our synod life around and such like. But there's two other reasons as well. Hopefully, it will help local churches to feel like they're part of something bigger, so they're not just kind of ploughing their own furrow, you know, on their own and, yeah, and yeah, doing absolutely. their own thing. And then the, I think the final one for me really is it it helps us to look beyond our own kind of part of the world and God's mission and that. And it helps us to look outwards when we're kind of given the idea of a theme to be thinking about. Uh, so there, there are a couple of the ideas, really, why why we need uh, a, stru- um, a theme to, to our synod mm-hmm. year. So, so as we, I've mentioned, our theme for this year is talking faith. Louise, perhaps you could... Um just jump in now and say talking faith what what does that even mean to us i think we're very much aware um particularly within the mission and discipleship committee which um i represent that this is something that lots of people in local churches struggle with how to talk about their faith in jesus um in normal everyday situations lots of people tell us that actually you know evangelism want of a better word is something that Christians really struggle with so we wanted to help people um be a bit more courageous and a bit more proactive in how they talk about their faith and we wanted to kind of take away the sting out of it and not to make it the big um, scary thing that some people think it is but um enable people and equip people to do that naturally um, and with a bit more courage and confidence. Uh, so, you know, everybody needs to be talking about their faith. And we want to encourage every local church and every person within our local churches to do that well. And I hear that, Louise, but I mean, quite often I've spoken to people outside of the church and I've heard it from people inside of the church who say, you know, uh, never talk about religion and politics at the dinner <laughs> table. And um, there's very much this attitude that I think goes through the church as well, that says, well, faith is just a personal thing. It's not something to be shared. No, you know, what, no, 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 no. thoughts no. on that then? Um, faith isn't a personal thing. Oh, well, but faith may be a personal thing, but it's not a private thing. Um, right. Our faith is owned personally, but it's not to be kept personally. It's not private and nobody is meant to share it. Nowhere in the Gospels do we, does, does Jesus say, well, just keep this to yourself, everybody. Do not share this with anybody. It's personal. It may mean something to each one of us, but it's not private and it's only to be kept to ourselves. 
um, our faith is meant to be shared and spread. So, Jeff, perhaps you could just elaborate on that a little bit and, and just kind of think, with what Louise has said, would you like to just expand on why sharing our faith matters? You know, not just to the church, but, but to the, the sense of faith itself. I think, um, Stuart, it's really important to understand that that faith is not just a it's not just a political concept or or philosophical idea. We actually believe that our faith is is about truth and it's about transformation. And and as such, if we've discovered that, there should be something within us that wants to kind of give that away and kind of share it and and help others to discover that for themselves. So for me, this idea of of faith being a personal thing you know I'd go along with what Louisa said to a certain extent it is a personal thing but it's also a corporate and a relational thing because it has to be lived out in the public domain you know we if we have a faith we have to live that and when we live that we share that with other people but what we're thinking about specifically this year is about articulating that through the language and the words that we that we use not just through the actions that we have and, I, you know, I believe that, that our faith can can help us to understand the deepest questions of life. So, you know, there's the whole thing about who is Jesus? You know, why, why did Jesus come? Was he a historical figure? Was he a mythical figure? You know, if he was historical, then who was he? You know, what did, did the things he say, do they add up? Do they make sense? But But the Christian faith as well helps us to understand things about the the depth of life. So when we ask questions like who am I and why am I here and where is life heading? I you know I believe that the Christian faith speaks into those things. And that when people ask those questions, we really listen to them. We can help them to understand that we're not just a kind of a load of cells and DNA that is kind of evolving into, you know, eventually to death, but actually we're we're people who are known loved forgiven uh and and can live in a with a relationship with god now and so that is something that i don't want to keep to myself because i honestly believe that actually it's the meaning of life and i want to share that with other people and i and i i love what you say there and you know it really appeals to me but i wonder for a lot of people is it a case of being able to say that confidently and and i wonder have you got any ideas about how we can build build our confidence up in in sharing what you've said or you know in the way that we want to say it, but sharing that with others how do we how do we build our confidence so that we you know does either one of you have a thought about that i, I mean i i would say to that Stuart, I, I think it's really important that we begin by listening to people mm. because sometimes we can kind of rehearse what am i going to say and just kind of blurt something out without actually listening to what people's questions are and, and what's going on in their heart and it's really important that we hear people and that we listen to people before we kind of speak to them and and and, and share uh, our thinking but I think it's even more important these days because the, the, recently there was a, a survey produced saying that the Christian faith is less and less important for people in our country and as the Christian narrative is spoken less and less in our culture people are less and less aware of it so it's more important now for the church to be speaking up and talking faith than you know 
than it has been for years and years because it's always been a part of the fabric of the DNA of our culture, uh, or it has been, you know, in recent years. But now that it's less and less so, it's more important, I believe, for us as church and as Christians to to talk faith to those around us so we can present a, a different story and a story that brings hope and life to people. I know for myself, Louise, there's been times when you think, well, I'd, I'd love to talk faith to somebody, but, you know, what happens when they come back and they ask me that really difficult question <laughs> that I don't know the answer to? How do we get past that? And I guess it's a real fear for people, isn't it? You know, mm, you know, in, in, in two senses, either I don't want to look stupid in that moment because I don't know what the fifth book of the Old Testament is, or I don't have the answer to why their best friend's child tragically died in a car accident or whatever. How how do we, you know, and I, I, I perhaps recognise that we're not going to get the, the catch-all answer off you now, but how do we start to move past that sense of fear into a place where our faith does become more, more openly shared with other people? And I think the I think the key is what Jess said is about listening. And I think, you know, if somebody's had a, a tragedy, like why has why has my child died? Um, I don't think what they need at that moment is a theological answer. Mm. Often that may come. Um, I think they want to know that their child is 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 loved and that they're loved and that God is with them. Um, I think, no, trolling out a long path, theological answer, isn't helpful at that moment. Uh, but sometimes we're asked questions that we don't know the answer to, and it's okay to say, well, actually, I haven't worked that out fully for myself. Um, let me think about it, and I'm going to come back to you. And that gives you a follow-up to, you know, another conversation and sometimes I think people ask questions and they don't actually want to know the answer to the question it, it's just about the conversation or about kind of testing you or, or working out you know what, what do you really think sometimes it's not it's it's more about the conversation rather than the answer uh, and I guess you know that from your relationship with whoever's asking that question and I think I think that's really good what Louise has just said about it's not necessarily the answer, it's the conversation. Because I think within when difficult questions are asked, and if we don't have the answers, I think honesty is really important. And I think people would people respect that. So rather than trotting out some trite answer that you know that trips off the tongue, just be honest and say, you know, I've I'm still working that on myself. Or do you know? I've never thought of it like that. I don't. I don't know. But I can go away and have a have a, um, a look into it for you. Um, so honesty, I think, is is really important there. And and kind of think about those faith conversations as well. You know, I'm reminded of the story of the uh, of the minister. Let's say who was talking to a group of children and says, "Can anybody tell me what's uh, red?" with a big fluffy tail and eats nuts. And the child says, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds a bit like a squirrel <laughs> to me. Um, does every conversation that we have actually had to lead to a conversation about faith? Again, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's context, isn't it? 
you know, I I was having my blood taken the other day at the nurse and she was telling me about what bad week she'd had. And uh, my car had just broken down um, outside the garage where it's mended. Praise God. And, uh, and I said, she, she said, well, that's luck. And I said, well, I actually don't believe in luck. I think that was that was God. And we had this fantastic conversation <laughs> about how <laughs> did God cause your car to break down? Because, well, so we, had, we had a great conversation. It didn't lead anywhere in particular, but it was it was a faith based conversation. And I think sometimes we try to shoehorn faith-based conversations into conversations that don't actually have to have faith in it. And that makes us look like weird religious nuts. Um, But I think natural conversations um, sometimes may lead to faith, sometimes may not. But if, you know, if we're trying to kind of shoehorn and make something fit to get my three points or beginning with the same letter into the conversation then that actually isn't helpful and doesn't come out of listening or doesn't come out of authentic relationship I think that's really helpful so I mean I think what I'm picking up at the moment is that that listening is is one of the most important things we can do Um, I'm reminded of somebody told me once that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a very good reason so (laughs) so listening is really important and I, I guess what you, the story you've just shared with us about talking mm. to your nurse helps us to think, what experience have you both found of ways to talk about faith in that natural, non, you know, I, are there any kind of formulas or is it just a case of listening to the opportunities? I think, I think the minute we start, we start um, adding formulas to this is the, the, the minute it becomes false. And it doesn't. It's it's no longer a real thing. So, I think a lot of it has to has to come from who you are and and the way that you live your life and causing people to question the way that you live your life um, and why you do what you do the way that you do it. But I'll be honest with you, Stuart. For for me, it's usually quite easy because I'm a professional Christian. And one <laughs> of the first questions that people ask me when I start when we I meet them is, "What do you do?" Um, and so I either say to them, I work in the supernatural, and that kind of starts a, starts a conversation, or I just say, you know, I'm a I'm a I work for the church, I'm a minister in the church, and that the conversation can kind of go all kinds of ways. Then when you when you throw that in, uh, so in a way, I've kind of got it a little bit easier because I I you know I do this for it's my life and, and um, I work for the church. Um, but it's great when conversations do happen and they're they're sort of just on the hoof and people are interested and want to know about what you believe and why you believe it. So I think next to the fear of not having the right answer, I guess people's second fear is that that they will just be rejected, that people won't be receptive. What would you both say has been your experience? You know, you, you talked about the nurse earlier Louise what you say to your experience when you do talk to people about faith are they receptive or are they just wanting to finish what they're doing and move on as quick as they can I mean not everybody is going to be receptive there are going to be some that aren't um but I guess if you are having a conversation where it you haven't shoehorned something into the conversation then people are more likely to be receptive I found that if someone's telling you you know they're having a hard time or life is difficult um, I have I have found that 
if you say, can I pray for you? I have never yet had somebody say no. In every opportunity, in the supermarket or something, I people never seem to say no to that. Um, I don't know if more people believe in prayer than we think or or people are hedging their bets. <laughs> I don't know, but I've never had anybody turn down the offer of prayer. Not everybody wants to be prayed for there and then. Um, but most people will say yes to being prayed for, which, which gives me the impression that people are more receptive um, to things of faith, um, maybe at a gentler level than we think. And I think that's really encouraging for us all to hear. Hmm. And, and I hope takes away some of the fear that people might be experiencing. I guess for both of you then, have, is there a time that you can remember where you've talked faith and you've been really, in a positive way, surprised by the outcome of that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, the, the times when I've when I've been surprised the most have been when I've been talking with children about faith. So I go into schools and do assemblies and I've, I've run kids camps and all that kind of thing. And the thing with kids is they've got no filter a lot of the time. So they ask the questions that everyone else wants the answers to, but are too scared to ask. Um, and so, you know, does God live in a house? You know, that kind of thing. All those questions, which we, we kind of think of, well, that's a bit, maybe that's a bit daft. But actually, they're the questions that are going around the kids' minds. So if we're going to listen and be authentic, we have to give them time and help them to understand and discover who God is and, you know, and, and what God means and what faith means. So I I, I think it's it's usually not exclusively, but I'm surprised when when I kind of speak to and listen to kids, they, they come out with some crazy stuff that's just fantastic and really challenging as well. Louise, anything that springs to mind for you? I'm always, um, I love those conversations when people find out that you're a minister and they're not what people, what they're expecting of you. Um, and because people have a very definite view of what the church is like, um, because maybe they went, you know, three decades ago or, or maybe they've had a difficult experience of church. And I love those conversations where you have, um, when people go, oh, you're not exactly what I'm expecting. And then that, that enables a whole different conversation about, well, maybe church isn't what you're expecting. Or I, maybe... say, Louise, I think that's important for everybody to remember that people sometimes have fixed ideas of what Christians Absolutely. are. And then when they find out that you're, you're a Christian, but you don't fit that fixed expectation they have, that opens doors that yeah. um, were previously previously she shut and perhaps we need to rely on who God has created in each one of those to be the door that opens faith for other people um so thinking about people who open doors by talking faith can you think and and as I, I I mentioned what I said earlier um I know it sounds like a squirrel but I'm sure the answer is Jesus um what what examples, biblical examples, can you think of of people who talk faith? I love the story of the woman at the well, who at the end of the story where um, Jesus has um, told her a life, she goes away and she tells all her villagers and all her friends and all the people who've shunned her, come and see the man who has told me everything there is to know about me. And I love those examples of people, and shepherds did this as well, come and see examples um come and see come and find out 
um, what I have just discovered for myself. I mean, I, you find that new Christians do that quite naturally when they've just become Christians. They do that all over the place. Come and see, come and find out, come and experience what I've just experienced. And there's loads of biblical examples of people who did that. Anyone for you, Jeff, in particular? Yeah, I, I, so I mean, my, the, the people I kind of think of, I'm thinking of someone like Moses, who was, you know, he had this encounter with God in the wilderness and was then sent by God to then go and speak to the kind of the political powers of the day. And he went and he spoke and he took God's message to Pharaoh. Um, and he was fearful and he wasn't sure. And, you know, God had to give him a, a you know, a sidekick to go with him to, to convey that message. So we didn't leave him on his own. But that's an, I think that's an example of kind of speaking truth to power. So it's a slightly... You know, Louise has talked about the very personal, you know, come and see one to one sort of thing. But I also think the church has a role in the prophetic to be mm. speaking truth in our culture today. And so the other person that comes to my mind is Daniel, who, you know, found himself in this environment where he was completely alien and didn't know what Babylon was all about. Been raised, you know, in the Jewish tradition and that. And he kind of he he interacted with the culture and with the people, but at the same time he remained true to the the foundations of his faith and that. And I think that's a that's a tightrope that we have to walk today. Is, you know, we want to remain true to our faith, but we're not called kind of completely to to not walk in our culture, but we're we're called to bring hope and life, to be salt and light in our culture. And for me, that's Daniel, I think, is a wonderful example of of that kind of person who talked faith. I hope I'm allowed to have two as well. Uh, my my two would be I like Jeremiah, who kind of did that the other way around, who talked faith to the to the faith community, who gave them the challenge about what God wanted them to be and where God wanted them to go and how God wanted them operate and my other one is the the man in the story of that we know is the garrison demoniac where people remember he was possessed with evil spirits they got sent into the pigs and the pigs hurtled off a cliff and at the end of this life-changing encounter with jesus this man says to jesus tell me what i can do i'll do anything you want me to and i think that moment he would have done anything jesus asked and jesus said go back to your community and tell them what the lord has done for you I, I just love that as a story that's powerful for each one of us. And it doesn't say he goes back and does it with great confidence or is hugely articulate. It says just be faithful and go back and talk faith to the community that you are part of. And for me, I think that's what this year will hopefully challenge people to do is to go and talk faith to the communities they're part of. So to help us do that a little bit in, in June, on the 17th of June, at Hull United Reformed Church in Chester, we're going to have a big Talking Faith Day. We've got a keynote speaker, a guy called Sam Ward, who uh, works for the Message Trust, which are based over in Manchester. Sam uh, initially started off with the Message Trust in what was called a, an Eden team. This was an intentional uh, group of people who lived in a community to share the faith with the community through word and through action and from living alongside. That was a long time ago, but um, I was really encouraged to hear that Sam still lives in that community, hasn't kind of moved in and moved back out again, although he's changed roles. And Sam's now the director of ministry for the message trust and he's going to come along and it will be a great inspiration for us as he sets us off thinking about talking faith and the way we do that 
in our communities. Then we have four workshops. And if I can't remember the most, Jeff and Louise will jump in uh, and remind me. We're going to think about what it means to talk faith to our children and young people. We're going to think about what it means to talk faith confidently. We're going to think about what does it mean to talk faith in our everyday lives? And also that important one, what does it mean to talk faith in difficult situations? So, Jeff, perhaps, what are you most looking forward to uh, about that particular day in June? Uh, Stuart, I think it's I think it's going to be a great opportunity to hear ideas from a wide range of people. So, some some people who are who are experienced and confident. Uh, from people who are just coming along who may be a little bit apprehensive and aren't quite sure, you know, how they can talk faith, people who don't know where to start. Um, so I, I think I'm I'm really excited about hearing stories of kind of um, what people have, uh, how people have shared faith and talked faith um, from such a, a real wide, diverse perspective of different people. I think you raise a really important point of that day there is going to be space in that day for people to talk to one another for conversations to explore thoughts and to uh, to stretch one another and so Louise why would you really want to encourage people to be part of that day and to come along um because we all need to be <laughs> we all need to be we all need to be more confident and more courageous in sharing our faith uh, my favourite Bible verse is 1 Peter 3.15, and it says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. Everybody needs to be able to articulate their faith in ways that make sense to them and in ways that are helpful to others. And I, I would hope by the end of the day and the end of the year, because it's not just a, a day, this is a year-long focus, that by the end of it, we've got people who are just a little bit more confident and a little bit more courageous and are willing to try. Um, and I just moved on a little bit in their discipleship uh, to be a little bit more bold and a little bit more courageous in, in talking about the hope that they have. Louise, that seems like a really great place to leave it. Jeff, Louise, thank you for your time. Although the moderator always wants to have a last word. <laughs> always. Stuart, can I can I just recommend a couple of books if people want to do a bit of reading? Of course you can. So two books uh, that have really helped me to think through to, about talking faith. Uh, the Reason for God by Tim Keller is a fantastic book. Uh, each chapter is a response to a letter that he's received from a, a, a member of the public. And then the second one is by C.S. Lewis, it's Mere Christianity. And that kind of presents a really good case for why the Christian faith makes sense in a, in a world that is kind of all mixed up. So they're, they're just two books I'd, I'd recommend. Super. I think we're there. Louise and Jeff, thank you for the time. Um, thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for helping us to faith to to think about talking faith. And uh, hopefully, as Louise says, over this year, we'll get the confidence to um, to go and do that. You've been listening Pleasure. to the latest episode of In Conversation with uh, with Mercy Synod. Uh, I hope you found it helpful. Mm -hmm.